team every day. Good evening, everybody. Lockdown Browns, episode 185. Guys, you've been waiting for it. You've been asking for it. But look, between myself, between Stephen Thomas, between Jake Burns, we got a lot going on, guys. So to be able to sit down and get one of these fan speak episodes in, takes a little time, takes a little maneuvering. But look, everybody's here. Everybody is a president accounted for. Whether there's helicopters checking out Stephen in his backyard as he gets a suntan, whether or not Jake's got the baby or dinner duty, we are here tonight. We are going to get it down. So, guys, Lockdown Browns, episode 185. Joining us tonight, Stephen Thomas. Stephen, bud, it's been too long. And how you doing? It has been a while. Thank you for uh, having me back on. It's been good. Just been... uh you know, I had to get back out on the road because after I had that uh, accident, I'm still healing, but uh, I didn't work for a while, so I had to go out and work and tell some fart jokes, and uh, so I collected a couple checks, and now the wife gave me an hour and a half to myself, so uh, before she comes in and gives me a household chore to do, let's get this rolling. Nice. Uh, Jake, uh, look, everybody, obviously, you know, Porter's kind of become a, a Browns kind of staple. Jake, how are you doing? How's the little guy doing? How's the lady doing? <laughs> we're good, man. Um, we're functioning on low levels of sleep, as is to be expected for for new parents. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm double duty. I'm on taco meat cooking for Taco Night right now. Just got done feeding him on a Wednesday. Good, what are you guys doing on a Wednesday? Blasphemy! Uh, we we don't we don't we don't we don't subject ourselves to days of the week. There is never <laughs> there is never a bad day to have a taco. So I couldn't That's I right. could not agree with you guys more. Uh, <laughs> Guess we'll kick it off here, guys. We do have some news of the day while Stephen gets us all sort of set up. You know, I will hit hit him as we go here. Uh, huge blockbuster trade, uh, Stephen. I know you predicted this. This is the one you thought was really going down here today. Uh, Cody Kessler has been moved on to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a conditional 2019 pick, uh, seventh, 2019 seventh round pick. My guess is the condition is as long as you don't try to give him back to us, we don't want the seventh round pick. Is maybe the way Cleveland's <laughs> playing this one. Uh, so, guys, go ahead maybe make a comment here. But, look, Cody Kessler and maybe any quarterback that he was had the opportunity to sit down with and touch is being thrown away like they've got the plague. Well, um, I saw actually the conditions are if he's on the active 46-man roster for six games, then we get the seventh-round pick. So, and you know, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I saw some people on the timeline in Brown's Twitter today upset about giving him up for, well, you know, basically nothing. But you know what? You got something for a guy that the other 31 teams knew you were going to cut anyway, I, I give him credit for getting that much, you know, I mean you know, they must have really really wanted him and thought he fit their system down in Jacksonville, because I mean, they didn't really give up anything substantial but to give up anything at all, rather than just trying to sign him on the open market is a good move for John Dorsey, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they wanted to, to make it like a preferred waiver claim situation, so very, very little uh, risk for Jacksonville, um, very little return for Cleveland, but like you said, it's a win to get anything back for Cody with the way it's kind of played. I think Cody has a little more value than I think we, we want to admit, but he's uh, you know he's in a situation now where he can go get a fresh start, and Cleveland gets a fresh start. Obviously, we knew he wasn't going to be a part of the quarterback room, so win-win on both ends. Um, hopefully, he can resurrect his career a little bit down there, and, and, and we can solve this uh, quarterback situation with what we're about to do. Yeah, well, I mean, look, you're, you're, you're right, Jeff. It was funny that uh, I had tweeted out, so I can't remember exactly how I phrased it, something about my gut is telling me there's another trade coming or something like that. And like three minutes later was when the, was when the Kessler trade was announced. Uh, 
and that wasn't what I was talking about. But then I, I tried a little theory to see if I had some control of the universe. I tweeted out that my gut was telling me Jennifer Aniston was going to show up and beg me for a date. And so far it hasn't worked, but I'm going to give it a little more time. I, I think you could let, let it lie a little bit. You know, I mean, you know, let Jen come to you. I mean, give her some time. She's not a big social media presence, so we'll give it a little time. Uh, I've look, been playing hard to get with her for 12 years, so it's, it's working so far. And she's available again. Who knows? She might like fart jokes. But uh, the thing with what Jacksonville may have, might have liked here is, is one guy I keep saying Jacksonville might want to target in the draft is Mike White out of Western Kentucky. Why? Because he's an accurate passer. Cody Kessler doesn't have to be a great arm, but Jacksonville runs a lot of these crossing routes, and you're looking for a guy with accuracy. You know, there's the in the NFL we have the starting quarterbacks of the league, the future starters, and we have the baseball hat guys. You know, can Cody Kessler go along a career of a Drew Stanton, of a Chase Daniel, where he gets paid for his brain and gets paid for you know what he can do in a quarterback room? Hey, look, you know, it's not a terrible living. You can find a way to pocket yourself between twenty and thirty million dollars. So hey, you know, good luck to Cody Kessler. I hope it works out. He's Absolutely. in a better situ- situation, closer to the beach. Uh, other news of the day here. I'll go to this one first. Uh, apparently, Mel Kiper. Now we're only going to use the combine in pro days to evaluate. So guys, anybody who watches film, we're done with that. We're not watching film no more. It doesn't matter because as long as you can show some accuracy when you weren't accurate in your pro day, like Josh Allen was, missed some passes badly. But I'm not going to beat up on Josh Allen anymore. I'm more mad at Mel Kiper here to take this stance on a guy that you just okay. It's okay, Mel. We get it. You love him, but you are you're selecting the reasoning for your guy and using it against other people. And I'll be honest with you, I think we're at to the point now where this is probably going to be Mel Kiper's last draft season. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know about that. I'm not going to speak to that. And, you know, there's been accusations out there that he's being paid to prop up certain guys. I'm not going to get into all that. It doesn't, I, I don't know about that. I'm, I don't have connections. I'm not going to comment on it in, in any way. But as far as Josh Allen goes, yeah, I mean, we all watched the pro day and we watched the combine. And actually, I thought he threw for him very well at the combine. But even at that, he missed some throws, and while his general accuracy was slightly better, the ball placement was still all over the place. I mean, it was it was still pretty bad, and even if he did, let's say he did go out and just throw darts all over the field, you know, uh, to, in shorts to guys indoors in Wyoming. Does that override two years of film? It shouldn't. And, and on the other side of that, I, I mean, we're to the point now where I feel bad for uh, Josh Allen, he didn't do any of this. There is, unless he comes out, wherever he goes, unless he comes out and wins four Super Bowls and is a first ballot, ballot Hall of Famer, there is no way he's going to live up to the expectations. It's impossible. He has been so hyped for so long that whoever he goes to is going to, they're going to expect, you know, Troy Aikman at the height of his career out of the box, and they're going to expect him not to do it at the same time. It's it's an impossible situation for, by all accounts, what is a really nice young man. I mean, I've never spoken to him, but people that have say he's a great kid. So I'm actually rooting for him to make us eat our words unless he goes within our division. Yeah, no, it's it's one of the weirder stories. Like you said, there's a little bit of empathy that you develop for that kid because, you know, he's not the one pushing his name like it's being pushed. It's pretty strange. The whole thing's pretty... It's, it's, I have just haven't seen. I think the thing that weirds me out more than anything, and I tweeted that out, 
today was that I haven't seen anybody outside of the folks who do it for the media or do it for, you know, a living that, that are taking the, you know, that are taking that stance. So it's pretty strange. <coughs> excuse me. It's pretty strange that there's only a few select guys in the media that are pushing his name. Well, guys who are on Twitter and do this, you know, kind of the grinders of the um, scout industry, I think people who do it for free and people who do it because they love the game just don't see it. So I, I kind of said that I'll be really stunned and perplexed about my evaluation abilities if he turns out to be really good because there's just nothing that makes him look like he's very good. I mean, he's obviously got a really strong arm, but the strong arm isn't even the... You know, the, the throwing abilities aren't even the biggest of my concerns. I have big-time processing issues with oh, stuff above the shoulders that really gives me the biggest, you know, moments of hesitation with him. So I, I don't know. I, I I wish I had a better answer for it. And like you said, Jeff, I mean, Mel Kuyper is he's sticking to what he believes, and maybe you just get to that point that maybe a little bit of it is it's clickbait-driven. Um, he's trying to get, you know, ESPN wants numbers. and It could be a mixture of all those things, but... You know, there's guys like Mike Mayock, and there's there's obviously some GMs who believe in this kid too. So there's just an old guard of guys who this is what they think is going to work, and you know they don't understand that the game has changed and the game is now easier for quarterbacks than it was 20 years ago. So comparing him to Dan Marino, or you know, comparing him to a lot of the people that they oh, try to compare him to, it's 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 unfair to the kids. So um, you know, like you said, is is he somebody I want in Cleveland? You know, absolutely not. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll probably he's got a really good story of a lot of people who didn't believe in him and and, and um you know and, and and the kid the kid has kind of earned everything i mean baker mayfield had scholarship offers this kid didn't have scholarship offers and then when he went out of you know junior college he only had one offer from wyoming and eastern michigan then eastern michigan got pulled because he took a wyoming visit so you know he's an underdog a uh, big guy obviously but he's an underdog um, so if he doesn't go to Cleveland and he's not a threat to us, you know, uh, next door, I'm pulling for the kid. I hope it. I hope it works out. I don't think it's going to work out, but I hope it does, right. just because you know he's the he's the uh, punching bag of draft season. Well, what it is though is, is all of us. You know, I mean, we put in this work and to continuously have you know, and we use the term big draft, and that's the Mel Kuypers, and to have it shoved down our throat. But I mean, I'd love to sit down with. <laughs> Mike Mayock, and watch the Oregon film this year. Or watch the Iowa game from this year. And now keep in mind, this is him playing a little bit above you know, his conference, and now we're supposed to watch this. And how in the world is this going to translate to the NFL? I mean, if you're going to draft him early, you got to sit him. But look, you know, at the end of the day, look, you know, I'll root for every guy to succeed. I don't have an issue with Josh Allen, but I, I'm not going to be force-fed after you know, doing this for as long as I've done it. I'm not going to be force-fed something because a guy like Mel Kuyper said it. It's just not going to work that way. Now, the third item of the day, and look, New York Giants, I'm not really sure what exactly you're doing here. Maybe <laughs> they don't know what they're doing here because um, I think kind of their theory is, oh, well, we're okay with Eli. We think we're still in it. So let's see what we're going to do here. Let's trade away the best offensive player we have right now. So sure, yes, Eli. You know, Sure, that's fine. We'll keep Eli. But, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, Adam Schefter said it's done. Odell Beckham Jr. is going. So, uh, I mean, good luck with that, New York Giants. If you guys get a clue as to what you're doing, please, you know, let us all know because none of us have any idea what you're doing. But uh, Odell Beckham is available, and from the looks of it, it's, you know, first-round pick and change. 
high change. You know, we're talking quarters, you know, 50 cent pieces. You're not going to go in there and sneak him away for a one and a six. But old Dub Beckham Jr., you know, he's on the market and he's there to be had. Yeah, I guess the question becomes for Cleveland, are you comfortable giving up four uh, for Odell? I mean, like you, you know, people would jump in and say, it's not, I'm not going to do it for a one-year rental. Well, there's obviously you there's get, layers to that. You but you're going to, exactly, but you're going to get, yeah, you're going to get the window and say, look, I'm not exactly. doing nothing until I extend them, of course. Yeah, and I think, I don't know if the franchise, the franchise tab, tag applicable after trade? Well, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm assuming that's kind of where he's at right now. I mean, or or you could do that, but even still, I mean, you're not yeah. going to give up those a- assets without getting the extension. Right. Yeah, it, no there's doubt. only I one mean, way. It's it's it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, if if you're asking me, would I give up the fourth pick for that player? I mean, I think you'd be really dumb not to. I I don't. I mean, I get that you don't wide receivers don't win you Super Bowls, but they make your offense pretty dang good. So I mean. It makes sense to me that you could give up four, still get your quarterback, and then still take. You know, you can even you still have some ammunition that you could jump up and take an edge rusher uh, if you wanted to. You still have a decent chance to do that. So, I don't know. I'm in the I'm in the fan club of let's. Uh, I would I would make a deal for for Odell. I think you'd be silly not to, um, given the uh, the ability of Odell. I don't know what to your original question, Jeff. I don't know what New York is thinking. You look at Eli's splits between his games without Odell and his games with Odell, and it's pretty it's downright laughable. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. They're going to bring in a rookie. They're going to probably let that rookie see the field at some point this year because you're all you're ultimately guaranteeing yourself that Eli's going to throw half the season of stink bombs based on his numbers without Odell. So then you're going to put your rookie quarterback out there with a lack of weapons. Sterling Shepard as yeah. your number one. Yeah. What do you, What are you? What's you? What are you getting? It's a it's an interesting thing. There's got to be some serious bridges burned for them to feel like that's the best plan for their franchise. So, yeah, that that story will be uh, interesting to see how it plays out, to say the least. Yeah, I'm with you guys. It's And I think we talked about this on one of the pods we did before the season even ended. And I think we said if the Giants end up in the top five, they're taking a quarterback. Because if you step back and look at it through any kind of logical prism, they have not picked this high since they drafted Eli. They historically do not pick this high, and to pick this high in a quarterback-rich draft, like we've been saying with the Browns, Eli's 37. Even Let's say you think he has three more years left. He's going to have a Tom Brady-like late 30s. Let's say, let's even stipulate that. He's going to be 40, and then you're picking a guy in the mid-teens. To, to pass on this opportunity is absolutely ludicrous to me but if they're going to do that if they're going to stay at two as a lot of the noise has been coming out of new york and they're going to pick a non-quarterback they're going to take a saquon barkley or a quentin nelson or you know a bradley chubb i heard i heard uh just the other day i heard his name mentioned whoever if they're going to stay at two and take a non-quarterback that means they believe that their roster is ready to win now and I don't know how you look at that roster and think it's ready to win now. I just, I mean, again, I, I don't work in the league. I'm, I'm not a football guy by the traditional definition, but I don't understand how you can think that. And then, if you do think that, why do you turn around, like you said, and say, our best player, one of the top players in the entire league, we're going to get rid of him? It makes absolutely, the only way any of this makes sense is if it's all draft noise and they're trying to send out utter confusion because they're thinking about trading down and they want to you know get calls 
maybe somebody below them slips up and lets some makes a call and like gives them some information and you know I mean that's the point of draft smoke but like you said Jeff I, I don't I don't think anybody can tell us if you could sit down with any to be a degree of accuracy look at their actions over the past couple of months and say all of this leads me to X you're smarter than I am because it looks like just random stabs in the dark to me well I mean you sign a Nate Solder which tells me okay now we think we're in it and look right. I, one calendar year ago I thought the New York Giants were a Super Bowl contender. No franchise has had the floor drop out from underneath them more than the New York Giants in the last calendar year. So you're going to sign the top left tackle available, pay him an obscene amount of money, but you can't keep an elite wide receiver. So whatever, that's that's. I mean, I could do a whole separate pot on that. Now, it, it, for Browns fans, look, guys. Everyone assumed that I was talking Browns when I brought up this Odell talk. First things first, I'm always going to defend Odell. That's my dude. I, a, lot of cred, a lot of the cred I have is because I was I said Odell was the man throughout the entire 2014 draft process. He's proved me right, so that kind of helps me there. For the Browns to maybe have a possibility in this, I don't know if they do or they don't. But trade four, call Buffalo, get 12, get 22. <coughs> Then, if you want to have some interest in Odell, go from there. That's the way it would work. Team I'm going to look out for here, Odell loves L.A. Spends a lot of time in L.A. The Rams got something special cooking right now. Do not sleep on Odell Beckham Beckham and the 23rd pick and some other moving parts there. But do not sleep on Odell Beckham going to the Rams. Uh, Steven gets things fired up. Guys, look, we are... Can I say one more thing on this? Jump in here, Chief. Uh, Um... As far as the Browns trading for him, I mean, obviously, who wouldn't like a player like Odell Beckham on your team? That's not the issue. That's not, it's, does he add, it's two-pronged. It's one, does he add what you need at this point in your build? And generally, wide receiver is thought of as one of the final pieces you put on when you're building from the ground up. And B, you look at John Dorsey's past, and we're going to discuss this with virtually every pick coming up here. But you look at his picks in the past. He has never, ever once drafted a wide receiver before the third round. He And when he was in Green Bay, even though he wasn't the guy there, when he was there learning, and a couple guys from that room are now in the Berea room with him, they don't draft a lot of wide receivers or running backs high either. So the, the thought of four-plus other picks for a wide receiver in John Dorsey's history does not add up. It doesn't It doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, if we're looking at it from that perspective. Now, could he go against tendencies? Of course. You know, who could? Who, who, would, who couldn't? There's a first time for everything. But if you're looking at it from the Browns' perspective, I just don't see it happening. No, I, I do agree. And, but everybody was thinking that with the, text, uh, the tweets I was putting out, it was Browns related. This was just Odell Beckham related in general. Uh, but guys, as Stephen gets us set up here, guys, tomorrow we got baseball. It's real. It's legit. It's opening day. So locked on MLB, guys. They got you covered. Teams you're looking to follow, get over there. Check out. You need your team. Go ahead. Check out the shows over there. So uh, you know, locked on MLB, guys. The bunting is out. Hopefully the snows off all, all these fields. But it's time to go tomorrow, and it's time to go for real.
Yeah, it's going to be for uh, for Cleveland fans. Going to be uh, uh, the first step in erasing that terrible taste from our mouth from last fall. Um, all right, well, we are ready to go here. We're up. Uh, we're using Matt Miller's board uh, on on FanSpeak. We are at pick one. And guys, before guys, before we go any further, uh, yeah, Matt Miller and his podcast. Uh, yeah, the Stick to Football podcast. Guys, if you check Matt Miller's page on Twitter, uh, they lost an integral part of their podcast this past week. One of the guys right. passed away. They've got two, he has two young kids he left behind. Guys, if you're there, if you're checking it out, please just throw a couple bucks here. We're talking about an eight-year-old and a four-year-old who lost their father. Uh, they got a GoFundMe going. Uh, search, you know, at NFL Draft Scout. Matt's got the page out there. But look, anything we can do as a community to help each other out, this is something we should do. But uh, guys, let's get this puppy kicked off. All right, uh, we are at pick 1.1, and we have, uh, in our past pods, done several different options, looked at all the different possibilities. We all have our guys at one, but I think we've come to the understanding that even if he's not our QB1, we would all be very, very surprised if Mr. Darnold is not the pick. Am I correct in this? Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, You know, I think that what happened with my analysis of Sam Darnold is I kind of he had a really rough start to the season and uh, I think that a lot of us kind of wrote Sam off in terms of thinking he would go back another year so um, you know once everything settled down with the season everybody got a chance to look at prospects it became uh, a little bit more clear that Sam was going to be in contention for the first pick not necessarily all due to the fact of how he plays quarterback but more so due to a lot of factors around who he is as a person leader, um, all the above. So, um, yeah, it seems that it's pointing in the direction. Um, he had a strong second half of the year, uh, pretty pretty solid in every aspect that you would want him to be outside of uh, pocket false security, uh, which, which can improve. Obviously, it's a quarterback. Um, you know, it's just repetition and, and getting a feel for, hey, this is breaking down. I got to really put two hands on the rock kind of thing. So he'll, he'll be fine there. He throws the ball well. Uh, does a really good job um, keeping his eyes downfield as pressure pushes toward him. Um, does a good job out of structure that Browns fans will like as things break down. He can make plays on the move. He needs to get a little bit better within structure, um, as most quarterbacks do. Um, you know, he, he he can make all the throws, obviously, but he gets a little lazy with his with his motion and footwork. Those things will need to improve a little bit, but. I don't think any Browns fans should feel bad about taking Sam Darnold. We might have our guy. We might have who we believe in more than anybody else, and that could be a multitude of reasons why. You guys know I'm a Baker Mayfield guy, but I understand where they're coming from with with Sam, and I think Sam's a really good quarterback prospect. Well, I think the realization here is, and and you go from the pro day, and the first thing first is it's refreshing to hear what you said. I'm going to Cleveland. I want to go to Cleveland. So, you know, there's been so much scuttlebutt, whether it's true or not, about the guys who maybe wanted to go somewhere else, which I can understand. You know, look, even if you're, you know, money is fantastic, and with a quarterback, most of the time it's about that second contract. But look, you want to go somewhere where you can do something. You can leave a mark. And Sam Darnold is this football guy type of guy who realizes what he can do if he comes here. Now, there's also some interesting things, the way the way this front office has handled things. A second veteran quarterback with Drew Stanton has been brought in, which basically to me says, Hugh Jackson, you, if I'm John Dorsey, Hugh Jackson, you ain't screwing up my quarterback. So you want to know what? He's going to sit, and I'm going to tell you when he's ready, and guess what? Most likely, he's going to be ready 
when you're not here. So, and just the way he's handled everything, Sam Darnold, and the reason he didn't get talked about much is, is because it was, and Stephen, you know being out where you are in L.A., in August, he was not coming back. He was adamant about oh, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As the season went on, I am staying in school, I am staying in school, I am staying in school. When he made this decision, he knew full well there was a possibility he could go number one, and if he was going number one, Cleveland held number one. So Sam Darnold made this decision realizing that full well he could be a Cleveland Brown. Not dodging it, didn't duck it, could have easily just slipped right back in and said, no, 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 I told you guys all along I was staying in school. But no, 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 he's here now. And I think from what you're starting to assemble with this team and the young players and the type of guys they are as far as the work ethic they put in, and look, you see these receivers now with Jarvis Landry. These guys are all in. They're working together. I think you bring in a guy like Sam Darnold, and this just clicks perfectly. Me, if you said, uh, Jeff, is he your best quarterback right now? No, you guys know. And Steven knows. Steven's with me. Josh Rosen would be the guy. But you want to know what? I want the guy who says, I want this gig. And so you want to know what? I'm more comfortable with it now. Sam Donald, man, come on down. Let's roll. Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm in the same boat as you as who my QB one is. It's not been a secret or anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm basically stalking Josh Rosen, and I think he would have a restraining order against me if he ended up being the pick. And to speak all, to all the off-field stuff that you were talking about, I think it's kind of silly this narrative lately that's being pushed that the blue collar versus the. You know, Josh Rosen isn't blue-collar enough. You know what? I know the area where Sam Darnold grew up. It's not exactly blue-collar, okay? I don't think they'd let me in there. Let me put that put it that way. So that <laughs> stuff is all silly. All I care about is can the guy play quarterback. And while he's not my one, and I think there are more question marks and, and things he needs to work on than, than are being spoken about here lately, he's getting a lot of stuff glossed over. Of the kid can flat out play. I, I get it. I see what the people that want him are seeing. It's not like if they're like we were talking about before, Josh Allen. I just I can't see it. I don't understand. With Sam Darnold, he's not my QB one. I would take Josh Rosen. I would sprint the card to the podium. But I've said since you know since he uh, and since he declared that I, that I think he has the talent level. Uh, to go number one, so I don't have a problem with it, especially if they have this plan in place, like it looks like, where he is going to see the field later rather than sooner. And like Now, like Jake said, there are some things with his footwork and his motion and everything, and when it goes wonky, it, it affects his ball placement, it affects his, his uh, uh, overall accuracy and everything else, and I think there are some things he's really going to have to work on uh, that he got away with in college that he won't get away with in the NFL. And one thing I, I did want to ask Jake about, because you know more about this than I do, um, because he sometimes throws, I, I, I have a term I use called, he throws against his feet, where his feet are basically the opposite way of where they should be, but he's able to torque his upper body around and still get good. I know you know the throws I'm talking about, where yeah. it's basically all arm. Over time, is that going to be potentially an, an issue with the shoulder and the elbow? I mean, could that be an injury thing unless he really, really works that out? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't know. Anything as you get older and your body wears down, it, it certainly could be. Um, you know, especially when you're putting that much torque against your against your natural body alignment. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't feel overly stressed about that. 
I think what Sam does with those is he really tries to manipulate safeties with his lower body. Oh, and boy, then, yeah. Yeah, he, he tries to, after, upon trying to do that, he doesn't get his feet where they need to go in time sometimes. And that's, he can make those throws. He's proven to be able to make them. He'll need to clean that stuff up. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think long term there'll be any injury ramifications from it unless just something freaky happens where he gets hit the wrong way, where his body's not aligned where it needs to be. Or, um, you know, it, it torques something the wrong way. You know what I mean? Where right, you can't, right. your body can't take the, the blunt of the, the brunt of the blow. Um, I was just thinking should. more along the lines of, you know, like a baseball pitcher with a, with a sort of a funky delivery and eventually over time, the elbow just, or, or the labrum gets torn or the, yeah. you know, something pops because it's not going the way that it's naturally supposed to. But if you don't think it's going to be, and I, and I was thinking the next few years, I mean, 10 years from now, you know, everybody gets hurt, but I'm, I'm sure. just thinking within the, within the first contract, if you don't think it's going to be an issue, then, you know, no, I just, I, it was just something I, I saw. I wouldn't have any fear. Um, I wouldn't have any fear about that. I think there, there are other things he needs to do, which is protecting himself a little bit better. But uh, that that caused me a little bit more concern. No, I, I wouldn't feel too. I get where you're coming from with that, but I wouldn't feel too afraid of it. He's, he's built kind of, kind of built like I don't know if I can cuss. He's built like a brick shit house, really, as a, as a football <laughs> player. So he'll 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 be okay. Well, and the uh, other yeah, thing, and though, anybody is, with hair like Heat Miser is always welcome on my yeah, team. Indeed. Yes, indeed. And, but, but the other thing, though, is, is you've got to love a guy who embraces what his faults are. And Sam understands it. He gets what he needs right. to do. And look, you know, the NFL, if anybody has gotten smart with things as far as injury, look, you know, all right, you know, you take it off. Don't throw it away. You know, I mean, you know, limit the throws he's going to make until it right. matters. And look, it's probably yeah. not going to matter a lot this rookie year. A lot of it's going to be footwork, and you know, I'm not sure how many live reps he's going to see. But uh, with that, I guess we're moving on to pick four. And uh, yeah, so let's start. While I send you guys this, let's uh, let's start talking about uh, the potential trade market because that is what everybody has been talking about here lately. Yeah, this this one will boil down to obviously none of us know what the heck the Browns front office is thinking, but. You know, a lot of people I talk to whose opinion I value really, really like Harold Landry. Um, you know, right. Jeff included, obviously. You got it. Um, you know, I don't know. It's gonna. We we have a feeling they would would really want Bradley Chubb there. I haven't really got that vibe from the organization, other than we just think they should. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a matter of what they think is their most important position player that they need. Uh, Bradley Chubb is really good at, at football. Um, if they feel like he's the fit, then I won't blame them one bit. I'd understand where they're coming from. But if they if they want to take the trade, I would take a four. I would take twelve and twenty two in a heartbeat. And and you know I, I I would have a little bit of fear. I would have to gauge other GMs on how they feel about kind of indiscreetly or just be discreetly talking to other GMs about how they feel about um, Harold Landry because you know you don't want to drop down and. Picked uh, pick tenth, or you know, just something somebody in front of you snags him, and then you're like, "Well, dang," kind of thing. So, right, you know, they got to gauge whether twelve they can get their player, if they can get their their cornerback one, whoever they feel their cornerback one is, can they get him there, or they can they get Landry there? Um, but I'm in favor of that move. I think it's smart, and then I think it gives them a really good, you know, the the value of what they're getting back there is interesting. You know, are they going to get one of Buffalo's other? You know, Buffalo has two second-round picks, so are they going to get, mm-hmm. you know, 12-22, first one of their two second-round picks, and then um, next year's first or next year's second? Uh, it's interesting, guys. It's really interesting. I would I would have a hard time saying no to that. I'm just 
just being honest, I think it would be the, the right way to go. The first way I'm going is I get Buffalo on the phone. And I'm fine with 12 and 22. And anything you want to offer me, 19. I think the deeper we get into this draft class, you realize that the cream of it is probably these first 75 picks. So you're already holding five of the top 64. And you kind of see this with the moves Dorsey's been making. He, he's not really cared too much about moving on from day three picks. Right. Because, and we've gone over this. And look, even though this is an 0 16 team, there's not many roster spots available. There's not. You look at this offensive line, even with Joe Thomas retiring, if you draft an offensive lineman, it's it, you know it, it, you're going to have to move somebody out to keep him. You know, there's not a lot of open roster spots. So if you got the chance to be the first guy at the buffet, by all means, go ahead and do it. My first thing, get Buffalo on the phone. Give me 12 and 22, and honestly, anything after that is great. Yeah. yeah, I am uh, of the. Uh, I'm with you guys. I am of the uh, opinion that while there are, and I just sent you guys the board. There are options at four that are attractive. I mean, Bradley Chubb. I have heard Denzel Ward mentioned there. Um, you know, there, there's some other names that have come up. I, I think. Let's say you trade down. You're looking at one twelve, twenty two, thirty three, thirty five, and then you know their their picks are fifty three, fifty six. And then you still have 64. Now, if it's me in this particular scenario, if they're coming up this far, it's for a guy they believe is their quarterback for the next decade. So I am holding them hostage. I am. It's there. You want to move up into the top five? There's a tax to be paid. I mean, those charts are great, but that's a starting point. There's a there's a bonus that needs to be paid and coming up for a quarterback. There's another tax that has to be paid if there are multiple, if Miami's also on the phone, if Arizona's also on the phone. I mean, you're looking at 12, 22, one of the twos, or we get our 65 back, our 3.1 that we gave them for Tyrod, and next year's first. There's no way I'm walking out of it without next year's first. You, You don't get your quarterback of the future without giving me a future one. It just doesn't happen. That's my starting point right there. Now, if they want us to throw in We've got two sixths and a fifth this year, or maybe a you know a mid-round pick next year to even it out and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But now you're talking about let's say you get twelve twenty-two and ours back, our three point one. Now you're talking about seven pin the top sixty-five. Now you can really do some damage because, like you guys said, you could probably still get a runners, one of the top edge rushers, and you still have thirty-three and thirty-five uh, yeah. sitting there plus more day two assets. So if they call with this offer. I would take it in a heartbeat. Now, some people have said they want just 12 and next year's first. I'm not doing that. I'm not dropping that far down without another first coming, which is why if it's Arizona or Miami, I I don't know that they have the artillery to make me want to drop that far. If, If they're the ones calling, I think I'd rather only go one spot with Denver and pick up a third or something like that. That would be fine with me because then you can still get Bradley Chubb or Denzel Ward or whoever it is that you want at four. So I think in this in this particular instance, I am down with the Buffalo move if they're on the phone and offering what we all think they're going to offer. Yeah, it's a, it's it's um, it's interesting because a lot of people will argue or I've seen some folks argue that the Browns need to just get two top five players and and uh, you know this team doesn't need to get any younger, and I get that. I know what John Dorsey's done, but I kind of see it the opposite. He's kind of pushed some older players in, 
and I feel like they they want to bring some of the younger. They they kind of want to make these picks in this in this class, if that makes sense. Like they expanded the age of their middle class, and they want to make some picks and bring in the young guys now. And a trade with Buffalo would make some sense because you know we talk about some pretty key positions. Carlos Hyde is is known for injuries. Duke Johnson's known for injuries. You know we we've said it numerous times, and we've done these before that. Josh Gordon is a, is a failed test away from being out of the league forever. And then, um, you know, Jarvis Landry is only on a one-year deal. Who's to know if he's going to want to come back another year? Corey Coleman's got a monkey future. So I think it's fun to sit here and say we don't need to get but, – but there's also the shot that we do. So not that we need to get younger, but that we need to keep adding talent everywhere sure. we can add talent. That's why I don't think it's silly – um, to say, hey, let's take twelve twenty-two. Let's get a second. Let's get a fourth um, in next year's first or whatever it is, and we'll balance. We'll kick back a couple other picks to balance it out. But no, I mean, I think you just you, you have you have to take that into consideration that um, there's other angles outside of it. And this draft's a little weird too. There's not like a lot top five uh, as far as, as skill position guys go. So so we don't know. I mean, there's still we're a month under a month away now. We don't know where the front office is wagering, you know, wavering here, but. It would make a lot of sense to me to still see a Buffalo trade and, and feel good. And I was talking to we did a you know Joe Joe Gilbert and I do do mock drafts. We did one today and we're doing another one later this week. That we're doing all you know all teams the first two rounds. Um, and uh, um, you know I thought it was interesting to say okay we trade with Buffalo um, to 12, 12, 22, a second um, and then next year's first and then say we're sitting at twelve and then there's Indianapolis at six. Maybe we can jump back up with Indianapolis, give up 12, give up that extra second that we got, and maybe give up a fourth, and then get back to six. But yet we also get an extra first. And out of all of that, we still get a third-round pick on an extra first next year. And all we did was move back two spots. And we still have 22. So there's some, like, finagling that can go on there because Indianapolis is still – they're in the full rebuild. They want to collect as many picks as they can. So there's a lot of play there that can still – could still work out, but no, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm okay if they sit there and pick the guys they feel best about, but I'm okay too with the idea of hey, we don't we don't necessarily know for sure that a player X, Y, and Z is a future for us in the next three years. So let's right. draft guys to, to keep continuing this foundation. <clears throat> well, and some of the fans they're bringing up, well, you know, well, well how are we going to repay all these guys? Guys, it's three, four, five years away. A million right. things can happen. Let's worry about that. Well, first things first. Regardless, even if they took seven guys in the first two rounds this year, odds are one, if not two, are going to be busts, and you're not going to want them back. Uh, you can move away from a Corey Coleman. You've got you know, between the center and the guard, uh, you, you, uh, Zietler and obviously in the center. You can move on from that money. Look, cap money can always be brought up, and we're certainly not talking about extending guys like Miles Garrett and Manny Agba already. So chill with that. Get as many guys into the room as you possibly can at this point. Exactly. Let's get as good as we can, and then worry about that's a that's a rich team's problem to have. That you know that's a twelve and fourteen problem. Exactly. How do we extend all these guys? I would love to have that problem. Um, let's get there first. So, you know, I mean, you think about the the potential trade downs, and I don't know where you guys stand. Buffalo. I think we said this. Buffalo is the only one because they have the two picks. The only exception to that might be, because we're talking about just picks here, we're not talking about players coming in. If Arizona called with, and and I just want to throw this out there, just to get your guys' gut reaction on this, with whatever the package happens to be, you know, the first, the second, two-thirds, first next year, blah, 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 
and they threw in David Johnson, would that interest you? I guess it would interest me. I get. I mean, I, I think the thing is, is what makes Buffalo the most attractive is, is I'm giving up four, and I'm walking away with three of the top twenty-two of this class. Sure, I get that. And my only, uh, my thing with adding David Johnson is, we know he's he produced like a top running back in the league. He's still very young. Um, and what we're assuming is that one of these second round picks, probably the later ones, are going to be used on a running back. That's what we're uh, that's what we're assuming, and that's why the two pick. One of the reasons why the two picks from Buffalo are so attractive. It gives you an extra pick earlier to attack a different position. If you have David Johnson, it's like getting that second round pick back because now it's thrown back into the mix because you don't have to worry about running back. I'm not saying I would definitely do it. I'm saying it would make me think, and I was curious to know what you guys thought in that particular scenario. Um, yeah, I mean, I would listen. Um, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to jump back to fifteen. Uh, I, I'm inclined to say no, but I, I right. love what you. I love what you're selling. I get exactly what you're saying, but. For this situation, I would feel better about Buffalo, and I'm kind right. of a Buffalo or die on this situation. Twelve is like my yeah. end of my limit. To That's where, where I, I am as well. Yep. Yeah, I I, I I like the proposition. I would respectfully tell Arizona, um, thanks but no thanks. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's where I'm at. Buffalo's twelve is my threshold, and uh, you know, standing pat is, is okay too. That's where I am as well. It's just it was one little wrinkle because we're always talking about what picks we get back. We have not no one that I've seen has discussed what if there are players involved in this too, and you know. So I just wanted to throw that out there. All right, I sent you guys the board. We made the trade for those listening. We traded with Buffalo. We traded four for twelve, twenty-two, uh, the twenty-fourth pick in the second round, and their first-round pick next year. Okay. So now we're nice. sitting at twelve. And uh, I sent you guys the board. Denzel Ward is still on the board. Here's an interesting situation. Uh, Connor Williams is still on the board. And I know we have not talked about offensive tackle at all, but he is the only one that I have seen get any run as a top half of the first round kind of guy. We have no idea what Dorsey thinks of him in particular, but we do know, from based on his past draft, that he... He values the tackle position right up there with edge uh, and corner. Those outside of quarterback, those are his three things that he has attacked early on a consistent basis. So we're sitting at twelve. Connor Williams is still there. Where I, I personally, I would go the other way. I would go with Harold Landry, but we know Joe Thomas just retired. We don't think personally on the outside. We don't think they're excited about the in-house tackle uh, prospects. Connor Williams still sitting there, which I did not expect. Uh, that might throw a monkey wrench into the works. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. I I, I like Connor. I think he's an he's he's the best tackle in this class. I, I mean, I, I'm not as high on Connor Williams as a lot of people are. Um, they do need a tackle. I I completely agree with your philosophy with John Dorsey, um, but uh, I feel like they go in a different direction. This pick to me comes down to Denzel Ward or Harold Landry. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to make a choice of which one you believe um, is going to impact your team the most, and that is an interesting discussion because a lot of times I've done these. Denzel Ward is gone at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? I mean, what do you guys think? Where do you vote? I'm not going to go Connor Williams in this route just because, uh, guys, Connor Williams is struggling to get to 300 pounds. 
Connor Williams is not a left tackle. So for me, he's a guard. That's not an issue. I don't need a guard. Um, and with Denzel Ward, part of the problem is, is now here was a guy who was extremely light at the combine, went to Ohio State's pro day. Lost he didn't weight. let yeah. he didn't let him be, he didn't let anybody weigh him. So yeah. you know, I understand you know there's some projection there, but am I going to spend my number twelve pick on a guy who got to this point and you know look as a corner look. Give me at least 190. I can understand you're going to be sub 200, but at least give me 190. This is, you know, this is setting up the scenario where you are. And look, you know, everybody, you know, the chub talk is great, but I don't need another full-time 4-3 traditional defensive end. What do I need? I need a gangbuster off the edge guy. And, and this is why I like Landry in this position a lot more than I like Chubb. Yeah, I'm with it. I would run with it. That's my vote too. Well, uh, here, here's here's my thoughts on it. I I, I also don't think uh, Connor Williams. I would not personally take Connor Williams. We don't know Dorsey's board, so if this situation comes up, he might surprise us all. But here's the other thing. I always look at it. You guys know. Uh, you guys look at it more from the coach standpoint. I always look from the GM and the value standpoint. If you look at this board and the picture that I sent you, you look down near the bottom there. There's another cornerback name. That's very interesting. So this is the other thing you have to you have to weigh in this scenario. We're at twelve. We're picking again in ten spots. Who's more? If we go corner, who's likely to be there as an edge rusher at twenty-two? And the opposite. If we go yep. edge rusher here, who's likely to be there at twenty-two? And the way this board is set up, and it's just the board for this. We have no idea what their board is, but this is the board we're using for our purposes. It looks to me like there is a better chance of Alexander still being on the board than 22 than of Harold Landry or Marcus Davenport being on the board at 22. So in that way, you prioritize. And also, let's be yeah. perfectly honest, you never draft for need, but corner is more or um, uh, corner is more of a need than edge rusher. So you could, that would be the argument for going for Ward or Alexander. But the way it's set up, I think you're going to be able to address that corner at 22. So my vote also would be Harold Landry. Uh, it's funny that nobody's mentioned Marcus Davenport because on this board he's rated higher, but we all like Landry. And then wait and hope that uh, uh, Jair Alexander is on the board at 22. That would be my vote. Yeah. I, I think we're unanimous. Yeah, I right. personally want nothing to do with Marcus Davenport. I nope. feel like that guy's got I'd, I'd rather have the more. I'd rather have the more proven commodity now. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you All for right. sure. All right, we took Landry, it's, and it's running right now. Yeah, it's funny that we saw after uh, the Senior Bowl, Davenport as, you know, top ten. He's got to be in play. you got to talk about him at four. And I just never saw that. I always thought he was more of a back end of the first, front end of the second kind of guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm with you, too. Yeah, and the thing is, is the only the only part of Senior Bowl he looked good, and actually Justice Mosqueda, uh, Justice Mosqueda and he's a guy I go to for edge rushers, he was on, I guess, last week, and he said Davenport did nothing for like three days, and then actually he sat and talked with the agent who he did not sign with, and the agent's like, dude, just go to balling out, do your thing, and he did, and then all of a sudden he started playing better, he played well in the game, but this is a guy who's, there's still a lot of work to do. Harold Landry is plug and play. Yeah, I'm with you, he definitely is, he's a... Uh... His dip and turn off that corner. He's underrated in the in the run game too. He can play the run. He's not huge. He's not he's not two seventy five, 
Bradley Chubb big, but he's 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 two fifty, two fifty five. He could probably get to two sixty, and he's built, man. He can play the run. And didn't he? Uh, I'm just pulling off the top of my head uh, this year. Didn't didn't he play uh, dinged up most of the year this year? No, he was. Yeah, I mean, if you want to see good Harold Landry, you go to 2016. Why he exactly. ever went back to school, I have no idea. Yeah. But uh, you know, only faulted himself by going back. Yeah, well, he just, was, I mean, he had a couple of string of healthy games this year too. Where he put on some impressive tapes. So. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. All right, I, I sent you guys the board. Uh, Mr. Alexander is still there. We've got uh, a couple interesting. Uh, linebacker uh, guys on the board, although I think it's too early to shop in that section of the store. Uh, you got some interior defensive line guys that we might want to discuss, uh, but if it's me, if we're going to vote right now, I take Jair Alexander, and I don't even pick up the phone if somebody calls me about a trade for this pick. Yeah, I would I would run it. Um, you know, The only guy I would have considered here if he was there was Darius Geis, um, but he's gone. Um, so looking at this list, what makes sense for us, what makes sense for the positional value. I like I like Jair much more than I like Isaiah Oliver, who's, who's apparently allergic to tackling and uh, <laughs> MIQ. So, um, yeah, run it. I, I like I like Jair. Look, uh, anybody who follows my account knows that. Look, Jairi Alexander is my number one cornerback in this class, so I have zero issues here. Go ahead, get me Jairi. That is my guy. All right, so we're walking out of the first round with uh, Sam Darnold, Harold Landry, and uh, Jair Alexander. It's running. We'll get to the second round here in a minute. And I find it interesting that you brought up uh, Geis, and we all like Geis. We've we've talked about him, I think, since the very first pod. We all like him quite a bit. But again, if we're going to look at uh, John Dorsey's history, and we're going to use the argument that he never takes a running back high as part of the reason, not the only reason, but part of the reason to pass on Saquon Barkley twice, um, then I don't think we can turn around at 22 and say he's going to take Darius Geis. I, I think that's it. We, yep. I think it's too high. If we're looking at it from that perspective, you know, I don't think it's too high to take Darius Geis. I think Darius Geis is fantastic. But from a John Dorsey perspective, I, I think it's too high to expect him to go running back. Yeah, and the Carlos Hyde signing points to that. I think I had touched on this with you earlier today, Jeff, that I don't think he goes running back. Um, if the status quo is unchanged, I don't think he goes running back um, above above pick 64. So that's just where I'm at with it. Okay. Yeah, that's... Uh... Uh, well, there, I have one caveat to that uh, that we have just traded for, but we'll get to that when we get to it. But yeah, I'm w- I'm with you there. Now, I just sent you guys the board. We are at pick three point one right now. Uh, for those listening, some of the top names on the board: Deron Payne uh, is still there, Colton Miller is still there, uh, Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, Ronnie Harrison, surprisingly dipping here lately. Uh, Christian Kirk, DJ Moore, and some others. Um, I, I got to look at this for a minute. So, Jake, I'm going to give you first. Uh, go ahead. Take. Uh, what do you think at this at this spot? I mean, Jeff and I love Sony Michelle like our stepchild. Um, <laughs> it's really tough. It's, re- it's really tough to tell him no. Um, if you and I were the GM, I think we would take him. I don't think they take him. Um, I think they need. Um, I have two names that I really like here, um, and and three. If I'm missing this person, or he was taken. Above this, the three names that jump out to me: DJ Moore, uh, Harrison Phillips, and then I'm not sure if Maurice Hurst was taken. Uh, he went. Already. He went. Yeah. Okay, he went did, Taven, did, did Taven Bryan go? Uh, 
Uh, no, he is still there, but he's ranked okay. on this particular board. He's ranked at sixty-five. Yeah, so. he's not as high on that board as others. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. People jump him all over the place because of production. Um, I don't know. I love Harrison Phillips. That dude inside paired with Larry Ogunjobi might be might be absolutely filthy. Right. Um, he's he's uber productive. He has country boy strength. Like that dude is is just phenomenal on film, and the, and and he, he tests well enough to feel good about it. Um, me personally, I think DJ Moore is the is the best wide receiver in this class. Um, I'm taking a Jeff stance and picking my guy. I, I used to be Cortland Sutton fan, but I really love DJ Moore. Um, having gotten all of Maryland's film and feeling really good about him, uh, and I think that they they need something soft at wide receiver that if, if things go awry, they, they still have some young talent there. And I, I just I vote DJ Moore, willing to hear out what you guys think, but I, I think that he is a guy who could even be gone before we get here in real life, because he's becoming that valued. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that dude can really play, and he can return punts. He's like, I always call him the Swiss Army Knife, man. He, he can go inside and play in there if you need him. He can go outside, play out there if you need him. He stacks receiver. He stacks a corner as well as anybody tracking the deep ball. He's up there with James Washington. The dude's good. He's just really good, good at, at tackle football. So I, he's he's my vote. I'm actually I'm actually with you here, on Jake. Uh, I, I I think it's more because I understand that John Dorsey is not going to value the running back here. And look, uh, you know Corey Coleman. I'm still not 100 percent sold. He will be here come opening day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm more than comfortable. And you know, DJ Moore, you know, wowed again today at his pro day. Didn't need to do any workout numbers because the workout numbers were already ridiculously good. Yeah, give me DJ Moore. I am uh, apparently going to be the lone uh, holdout here, and it's mostly because um, I have spent the past I don't know four or five days really digging into Dorsey's past drafts, looking up their testing numbers, looking up their production numbers, and trying to find common threads. And then applying that thought process and those profiles to the guys in this particular draft. And for the same reasons that we've been saying they're not going to take a running back this early, he doesn't take wide receivers early either. Um, I I would love DJ Moore on my team. Getting him at 33 would be a steal in my opinion because I'm with you, Jake. I think he's going day one. But if we're going to look at it from John Dorsey's draft Profile and past history, I, I, I'm going to go with Harrison Phillips. That was the name that jumped off uh, the board at me for several reasons. One, he fits the athletic profile. Two, he's one of those, like you said, Jake, high-motor guys, and Dorsey loves those kind of guys. And yeah. if we're looking at the wide receiver group as it stands right now, you've got they, they invested in Jarvis Landry, obviously. They love him. Uh, I don't I can't I just need to know he's going to be around long term. I, I, right. I don't. I think they're going to work that way, but I just need to. I need something solid at that position, and those top three just make me so nervous. Now, the good part is here, Stephen, as we'll, as we'll talk about, is is who picks between us is it New York. Yes, is it New York again? Um, yes. Yep. I'm not sure they're interested in interior defensive no. linemen. Um, yeah. Either way, we're, we're, we're getting I, our, I we're getting our two guys here. Well, yeah, here, here, I think here's my hunch is they're more say. interested. And wide receiver is that they're more interested. New York's more interested in wide receiver. If they're replacing Odell, then they would be Harrison Phillips, and we could get both of our guys. And that but I get where you're coming from with Dorsey. I, I'm right. I'm a million. I understand exactly what you're saying. Well, and the other thing too, I want to everybody, and I've been guilty of this too. Have been saying, "Oh, Corey Coleman's the next to go. He's on thin ice." 
You know what? If you go back and look at his numbers, he fits John Dorsey's profile for what he wants in a wide receiver to a T. To a T. He would be the guy that Dorsey would pick if he was going to go wide receiver this early in this particular draft. So I don't know that that he's going to hustle him. I mean, he might. I don't know. He has been hustling old regime players out the door, uh, and it's seemingly on a mission. But if you're looking at it as it stands, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Jarvis Landry, and you know we keep saying Jarvis Landry, and I can I can hear Pete getting more and more angry every time we say his name. <laughs> But, I mean, if you look at this, at the way it is right now, I, I, I would tend to believe that John Dorsey is going to attack other positions here at 33 and 35. I would see him going uh, uh, with a defensive line, maybe another corner, or uh, if he has one of the tackles ranked this high, this is the spot he could take an offensive tackle since he passed on him in the first round. I really don't see him going wide receiver this early. Well, like I said... I'm with you guys. If it's us making the pick, I go uh, 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 DJ Moore, and then actually my guy Ronald Jones is still on here. But, you know, uh, I know that's not going to happen. DJ Moore and then Harrison Phillips at 33-35 and roll, but I just don't think he's going to take a wide receiver this early. But the other Um, thing, though, is, is one thing everybody keeps doing, though, we've never seen John Dorsey where he's basically, you know, got first pick of everything. So you know, oh, I mean, sure, sure. so that makes for a difficult circuit. You know, that makes for an interesting thing. And look, you know, it's great that he scored with a Tyreek Hill type of guy, but you took a gamble on a guy later with some off-field stuff who turned out to be a great pick. But here, it's you know, and this is the thing, you know, because everybody's like, well, you know, this is what John Dorsey's focused on: left tackle, cornerback, quarterback, cornerback. He can do all of this in the first two rounds. Right. So I mean, you know, he's going to hit on what he hits. And also keep in mind, though, what wide receiver has really flourished for Kansas City? Yes, Tyreek Hill has been good. He's not top five. But this is, I mean, you know, John Dorsey can kind of hit on what he values as the top positions. He can hit on all of them. Right, and that's what I was going to say. One thing that could change, uh, I mean, the past draft history is what we have to go on. But he's never had this much capital. Exactly. And so the fact that he has... Nobody you know, has. Because <laughs> after the trade, seven picks in the top 65, I think that definitely increases the chances that he could break tendencies. But I just wanted to bring that up and say that it, the way it's fallen right here, I, I don't think he would. But if he did, I, I would say, I, you would think it would be DJ Moore in a heartbeat because he fits the profile of his past picks. Oh, no, I do agree. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah, I mean, I, All right, so, so we'll go DJ Moore here. And then, okay, yeah, we're sa- the board I just sent you is exactly the same, except the Giants took Sam Hubbard. So, yeah, we can still get Harrison oh. Phillips at this point. Or a Good tackle, luck with Sam Hubbard. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, apparently the Giants are just as bad in this draft as they are in real life. Um, <laughs> Again, yeah. New York Giants, if you so have what, any what, idea what you're doing, let us know. <laughs> right. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, I... What pick do we have on the Bills here? What number? 65. Uh, no, we've got their second-round pick, oh, okay. which is... 2.24, which I think is 56. Yep. Okay. So we have 56 and 64. So cool. All right, so um, we're not going to... We already discussed it, so I just I took Harrison Phillips at uh, 35. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but my mind, my mind starts thinking tackle here. This is where you're going to go look for your developmental guy. And, you know, I've put out my two names for who I like in this range. I want guys with upside. And you want to know what? I do love the fact that I can call Joe Thomas and say, Hey, Joe. Can you come, you know, give my guys right. some pointers? And Joe's going to do it. He's, uh, you know, yeah. 
I mean, we all hope Sean Coleman to turn it, can turn into something, but maybe we right. also kind of know a little bit better that it's a possibility it might not happen. All right, we just let me should send you guys the board. Yeah, and I'm with you guys. I think tackle this is the sweet spot. Uh, we also got one of these. I think absolutely has to be a running back uh, because we passed on it to this point. So. All right, there I go. I just sent it to you. For those listening, some of the top nades on the board. Uh, on Johnson, uh, Garen Christian, tackle out of Louisville. Frank Ragnell uh, is a center. Um, Lorenzo Carter, who I think is going to be gone long before this out of Georgia. Yep. Uh, Taven Bryan, and then the, ta- the other tackles. The tackles that are on the board, Garen Christian, Brian O'Neill, Desmond Harrison. Um, the running backs who are still on the board, Carrion Johnson, Nick Chubb, Walt, Mark Walton, and uh, I think he's just out of the picture that I sent you guys, but Rashad Penny is still there too. So at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking... Looking... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Jake. No, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I feel better about taking a tackle here and seeing what's left at, at 64 for running back. Um, is Okara 4 like still most. available? Is uh, Jamarco Jones still available? Jamarco Jones is not. Okay. Uh, Chucks, Chucks is. Martinez Rankin is down the board. Uh, Alex Kappa is down the board. Uh, but if, they, like if we're Brian using O'Neal. this... He's the, yes. Brian O'Neill can move, yes. Honestly, yeah. yeah. He's the one guy I want. Yeah, he's the only one out of all... Well, I I shouldn't say that because we don't have all of Desmond Harrison's numbers, but he's the only guy out of the group that's left. But Desmond Harrison's Harrison's already 25 years old. He's got weed issues. Uh, You know, I'd rather... Give me the guy I can turn into something as opposed to the guy who, you know, took six years to get through three and a half years of college. Right. (laughs) It's a luxury pick right here, and I think it's a spot we need filled anyway. I think Brian and Will make sense here. I'm in. Yeah, I would do the same thing. I, I'm going to go ahead and pick him here. Um, I'm not, and I don't think you guys are, I'm not a Kyrion Johnson guy, but he does nope. fit the profile of what uh, John has picked in the past. So uh, definitely something to at least consider. And I'm going to go ahead and send you guys the board yeah, here. At I just have such durability concerns carry on. And my right. problem is, is I look at him like I looked at Jamal Williams last year from BYU, and it, you know, you can tell me, oh, he's fast, he's fast, but if you're not getting to the hole fast, I don't care. Once you are right. on your sixth or seventh stride, how fast you are, it's all about how quick you are in your first or second. So, and and that's one of the things that I just yeah. love about Ronald Jones. He is absolutely so sudden when he makes that decision. He's just he's three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and then he's three yards beyond the line of scrimmage in a blink. That's why I love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Geis are a special group in this one of, of getting to to the hole yes. pretty damn quick. Um, okay, well, this group, well, I, I just go ahead. Sorry, Steve. No, I was just going to say um, I think we're definitely going to uh, go running back here, but just so the people listening know who else is on the board, Justin Reed is still there. B.J. Hill uh, is still there. Dante Pettis is on the board uh, in this spot. Simi Cobbs, uh, D.J. Chark. Um, I don't see anybody else that would. Uh, that would interest any position that the Browns have. Uh, but the, those are some of the non-running backs that are ranked in this general area that you might consider at this spot. This is a slam dunk. Yeah. This yeah. is a slam dunk, and I hate to do it for the sake that Pete's going to love the pick. But he's there. <laughs> he's there. He's just staring at me, man. He is just staring at me. If you can get Nick, Nick Chubb at pick 64 in this draft, 
Now you're talking about a guy who is an assignment running back. He is going to hit the hole he is supposed to hit. He is going to be great in the fourth quarter. You know, I joke with Pete and I bust his chops about the national championship game. But if I can get Nick Chubb with pick 264, I've got to do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, man. He's as good a, he's as good a like you said, assignment back as there is. He's just, he's freaking steady. I mean, and it's not that he's not an athlete either. He tested extraordinarily well. Oh, I just think yes. He's as fast and he's not as fast in football pads as as Sony Michelle is, but man, he's just he's consistent. He's going to block for you. He's going to do his job every time. Um, and and I'm, he's a high character guy. I like he's everything that you would want. Like you said, you got you got Carlos Hyde, who's your inside zone guy, who, who's going to be in the gun and get some of those carries. You got Duke, who's going to do Duke things from all over the football field. And then hey man, it's the fourth quarter. We need about ten to fifteen carries of of off tackle. Of, football here um you know big guy get in there and let's take care of things so yeah it's a slam dunk pick and and, and you know pete was talking about that earlier it's a uh, you know i wouldn't take i wouldn't take chubb above sony but when you're looking at where dorsey picks running backs and where we think nick chubb might be available it just it aligns to make a lot of sense because i think sony michelle i actually might be moderately surprised if sony michelle gets out of the first round um let alone to the middle of the second round so um yeah, just it, it makes sense for everybody involved. Well, I mean, there's yeah, matters. There's matters, for... and that's going to be difficult. But go ahead, Steve. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. Everybody talks about his knees, and it's something that I'm sure they already have, and if they haven't, they should investigate fully. Um, but you're talking about a guy with with a big knee uh, um, injury that he had, but he tested. I mean. His combine got kind of lost because he was directly after Barkley in every drill, and Barkley had such an amazing combine. But if Barkley wasn't there, we would all be going wild about about Nick Chubb's combine because, I mean, it broad jumped almost 11 feet, 38 and a half, maybe, I can't remember off the top of my head, 39-inch vertical, something like that. It was just... It was insane. Um, I, I have to bring up Rashad Penny. Uh, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think you take Nick Chubb without even thinking about it at this point. But if he's not there at this point, I don't have a problem taking Rashad Penny at 64. And if my no. guy Ronald Jones, if Absolutely. his hamstring at the combine causes him to fall, and he has, it's been very quiet around uh, Rojo here lately. It's, it's uh, not. It, it's, it's honestly, it's not been very good for him right now, which sucks because the player himself. But then even the pro day, some people came away with some negative things. And look, I can understand. If he's not 100% right now, you're probably talking about a caged animal. The kid's probably a little aggravated. He's probably exactly. a little pissed off. But look, I mean, if, if he's here at this... But look, if you're going to tell me if it's Ronald Jones or Nick Chubb at 64, oh yeah, I'm taking Ronald Jones. Right. But it's more of the, I don't think he'll be here. Right, sure, absolutely. And I, I, I would... I would take Nick Chubb. I would take Nick Chubb if he wanted to, uh, you know, a spot's higher than this. I would have taken him at, at 56. I would, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I have no problem taking this guy because I think he's a beast. But I just wanted to bring it up and say at 64, if he's not there and Rashad Penny is, I, I don't have a problem taking Rashad Penny and being perfectly happy at this spot as well. It tells you about the yeah, depth of this class. This draft class is deep at running back. I mean, the sweet spot is probably this 33 to 75 range. You're going to see five, six, seven guys go easily. All right. Yeah, well, that's as uh, as it gets. that's what we're done. We're done here, guys, because we said we were going to do three rounds, and we don't have a third round pick anymore. So, all right. Before uh, we wrap this up, though, we'll be jumping here, guys. Listen, if you're listening on the megaphone link, I appreciate it. Uh, but 
iTunes, Spotify, whatever your choice is, go ahead, subscribe, leave the five-star review. I appreciate you guys for your time as far as that's concerned. But go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just going to do a rundown, and I will screenshot this and send it to you so you can include it when you uh, send out the link. Uh, what, for those listening, in case it was hard to follow or whatever, here's the final haul. We ended up out of the first two rounds uh, with Sam Darnold, Harold Landry, Jair Alexander, DJ Moore, Harrison Phillips, Brian O'Neill, and Nick Chubb. I would be, I would dance to the point that I hurt my back again, and I would be thrilled <laughs> with this haul. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun to think about, and you know, um, even if they don't get the two extra picks there from Buffalo, it's still going to be a good haul with five picks in the first sixty-four. So, a lot to look forward to. I'm sure we'll do one more before draft. Uh, the draft starts where maybe we just sit pat and, and take what we think is possible. So, yeah, good stuff, man. I like I like where they're going. Hopefully they're they're uh, thinking a lot of the same things we are because I have a really fun idea of what a good draft looks like in my head right now. Right. Well, I mean, well, this is what you want here. I mean, look, in you know, in, in whether you're Team Sashi or you've moved on from that, look, the end of the day, anybody who's listening to this show, first of all, you want the Cleveland Browns to be back to respectable. I mean, you want it to respectability, whether it's back to or not. That's a whole different story for another day. But this is what you want. You want this team to thrive. You want this team back. You've added players. You have an improved roster. But, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, guys, Stephen Thomas, follow him at Browns Mock Draft. Follow, uh, you know, check out uh, DailyMockDraft.com. Uh, Stephen and Guy put together a great team over there. They're doing some great things. Jake is working his tail off while being a new dad for uh, waiting for next year Cleveland edition. Guys, follow them both. Check out the work they're doing. It's excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, as far as me, follow the show at Locked On Browns, guys. I always keep it a follow-back account, so you more than please follow it. You guys bring me ideas. You guys bring me guests that you want to hear. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, please. Uh, the follow I'd love. Guys, anything you want to close with? No, no? i got to get going before I... I, uh, I get eviscerated here. There's a kind child, but always, always a, always a, uh, always a blast, guys. I love doing these, and uh, look forward to to hopefully doing one more before we before we kick a few beers back and watch the draft at the end of April. Absolutely, yeah, I, I'm just I'm happy with the haul. I always love talking to you guys. These things are always fun, and now that we're I mean, the, the the previous ones there was so much time spent saying, "Well, we don't know if this happens or that happens." We've got a good 80-90% of what happens, so we're being able to focus in just a little bit more, which it, I think made it more fun uh, this time, and I think we came out with a hell of a haul. Wait, yeah, I mean, it, ju- it just shows the trade down. It creates, it creates a huge opportunity. But guys, thanks everybody so much for listening. Uh, you know, as always, let's go Browns. <laughs>